If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. And uh, today we are really, really pleased to have in our company Abel Dau, who is the founder new, of a new political party. So I don't know if you've heard of this political party, but he's going to introduce us to his political party. It's called the Transformation Alliance. Good evening and welcome. Good evening, Pima Ryan. Thank you for having us. It would really be... I'm a sin in Gauteng to not know the Transformation Alliance. (laughs) Well, you're here. You're going to tell us all about it. So thank you for coming through. Uh, You recently uh, joined the United African Transformation. What happened there? Look, um, I think more than anything, you would remember that the unfortunate situation that I had to face with Action SA. Um, You know, coming from that situation, I think we got into a space where um, there, were, there were individuals or groups who had felt that um, they still believed in my leadership and mm-hmm. they wanted me to play a role in what was the United Africans transformation. I think, honestly, it had already been um, established, but they had felt that I should lead that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few months into into that project, if I can call it that, I realized that it did not um, you know, align with my values as an individual. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, I've always maintained that I want to do politics that bring all of us as South Africans to the center. Um, and therefore, you cannot be doing politics for this group or that denomination and all of those things. And at some point, these issues were going to be problematic in the long run. And I had felt that very early, you know, they say when it quacks like a duck, you Mm -hmm. better believe it is a duck. And I realized that we are going to have a problem as we move along. So what then happened was there was no willingness to really cooperate from that space. And I had felt that, look, I still had a lot to offer in the political space. I do genuinely believe that South Africa has a need for leaders who would be upstanding, who are going to be very ethical, um, who are going to really go out there and want to serve this nation to the utmost best of their abilities. And I felt that I still had that in me. And that is why um, when talking to a number of people and really um, mobilizing other um, political organizations that were still struggling, um, we then came to a point where we had felt that um, let's bring all forces that believe that this country still needs to transform and hence the Transformation Alliance. And that's basically how um, we came to be where we are currently. There was a culmination of um, two other parties that came on board mm-hmm. and we together decided to form this vehicle that we call the Transformation Alliance. And ever since then, it has been our mission to make sure that we reach as many South Africans from all walks of life and really be a home in the center of South African politics for everyone who believes that the dream of 1994 has only been deferred and therefore we need to go back and revisit that dream and make sure that it is realized in our lifetime. So what sets your Transformation Alliance party apart? What sets us apart, I think, more than anything, um, you know, everyone would go as far as to say um, we're not career politicians um, and yada, yada. And I do want to own the space that I am a politician fully. I think um, the problems of this country demand that we have politicians who one would um, raise a hand and say I am a politician, but also who would then boldly say I am here to serve the nation. I'm not looking at politics to um, obviously advance me as an individual or individuals, but I do think that we 
need to stand up and fight for what we believe is correct. And I think there is a track record of that when you look at me. I always say to people of Tswani where I've done a lot of work, I have always been the one person who can tell this nation that I've championed the issue of the water in Hammanskral. I mean, I fought tooth and nail to make sure that people there, um, you know, get clean, drinkable water. And as much as um, we have not achieved that, but in the time that I've been there, there was quite a lot of strides that were made. And it was unfortunate that, um, you know, politics got in the way of achieving. We are known for basically um, achieving. I mean, I got into this space now in this term as an MMC in Tswani, and um, I, I, I basically went ahead to try and um, get rid of the number of informal settlements that were there and looked for innovative solutions where we found pieces of land that we owned and we made sure that um, we create, you know, um, 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 settlements that could then be, um, you know, in parallel um, improved to for, for people to do that. We did that with proposed orchards 101. We're doing that with a number of other areas and therefore we are, that's what sets us apart is that we don't want to be talking about what needs to be done but where we have had an opportunity to make a difference, we have actually stuck ourselves in there and made sure that we make the, the kind of changes that are needed. What, what makes this slightly easy with you is that you've got experience, you've yeah. been on the ground, so, so one hopes that when you deal with these promises you understand exactly what you're talking about you've spoken about your role as MMC of human settlement and and let's talk a little bit about that when it comes to what you are planning to do with as you know the problems of of housing we do not have enough homes to to give to everybody the country in fact every city has that problem especially in urban urban South Africa um and and what when you speak of innovative ways to deal with homelessness especially in urban areas what are you suggesting you're going to be able to do look there's a number of solutions but the easiest one and the most effective one is number one people have always been saying in south africa that give me a piece of land while you are waiting to build an rdp if you would and more nine out of ten times by six years down the line when you want to come and build an rdp um you know then you find that people have actually built um structures if you drive around um i mean so in the number of areas here in 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 in, in Gauteng, as well as across the country, you will see beautiful houses that are built um, in areas where there are no services at this stage. And what that tells you is that um, you do have a number of South Africans who are just saying, all we need is a piece of land that we can actually erect a structure that we can call a home. Um, growing up, I believe that uh, more than anything, I'm not that old, um, but I know, Hori, um, growing up, you know, we never really were people who would be komikukung. I grew up in Winterfeld, and one thing that I know is that Nerefor and build houses. That's the kind of people we are. And that has been taken away from us. Why? Because we have put people in spaces where they cannot really, you know, try to improve themselves even as they wait for us. There has been a concerted effort to really get people to be as dependent as they possibly can be. Because when people are too dependent on politicians, then they give away their agency to us and hope that we will obviously at some point do something for them and I think that's what needs to change so from the ground more than anything those are some of the innovative ways we've spoken about um, buildings that are derelict and now have been hijacked I mean great opportunity for us to be able to turn those into homes and and human settlements um, quality human settlements where people can be closer to opportunities the same is true with Schubert Park in Swanee, um, Kruger Park and all of those things those buildings 
have been lying derelict, they have been vandalized completely. You can imagine what can be done. And the same is true with Joe. You were an acting mayor. What's the problem? Why couldn't those things be sorted out? You know the inside story. Why doesn't the city um, own their buildings and do the right thing by the people? You're absolutely um, right, Pimelo. When you are in that space, the unfortunate part of local government is that it's heavily regulated. One of the things that you really want to do, um, especially as we approach, um, you know, provincial and national um, government election, is that we would really have to go in there and amend some of these legislative red tape that makes it impossible in local government to, um, you know, intervene decisively. And what is very unfortunate is the fact that local government is where uh, the rubber hits the tar. But unfortunately, it is highly bogged down. Literally, um, you know, you have a situation where mayors cannot move to really intervene decisively in spaces where you can really see progress in the work that needs to be done. And I think Give this us is an example why. of the regulations you'd like to amend? Um, look, obviously, um, some of the regulations that we really need to um, 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 amend um, is your, 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 I think it's section 23, that deals with how you then, um, you know, bring, bring about um, 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 when you have a situation where there's a service that has been procured elsewhere and it can readily be um, 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 procured much quicker into, into that space. I think there's a lot of red tape there and there's a lot of loopholes for things like your Glad Africa happening, what it, what it would like it happened in, in Swani before. But um, among some of the things that you, you do have um, in, in local government, I think, um, you know, the stability of local government has been one of the issues that need to be looked at um, to ensure that we can obviously be able to have governments that can be accountable, that can be there for longer. And what you have seen is horse trading in local government where I can go in there with one seat. And absolutely, whether we like it or not, how do you then say a person who does not have a mandate? Because if I go into a 214-seater council with a single seat and then I become a mayor and you want to say to me that mayor will be um, able to make the decisions that are going to take people forward, there's no way. He is beholden to the people that have put them in that seat and basically they are running the show from the from behind and that person is, is, is helpless and what you then have is unaccountability and one of the things that you need to really have is that you need to be able to have provincial government being able to set targets and measure those targets and the national government doing the same so that we then see that um, you know delivery gets to happen but unfortunately that's not what's happening. I mean you will then have the AG report after every financial year and there'll be findings and nothing happens and we get worse and worse and worse and worse as you see the dysfunctionality of municipalities. Therefore it becomes important that you also have this transition and growth where leaders have actually been um, at local government and have gone on to be at provincial government level and nationally and that's the reason why one of the most important things we want to do for this country as a party is to really participate in this election and have representation nationally so that we are able to bring the experience that we have with people because I can tell you now the folks that are up there have been there for 15, 20, some 30 years um, in Cape Town flying between Cape Town and, 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 and Johannesburg uh, 
the whole time and therefore they are detached with reality. They don't know what happens on the ground. All they ever see is these ungrateful people because what they see is what they see from the sky and they don't understand what really happens on the ground. And people need to have leaders who are authentic, who've been on the ground and understand the reality and, and you know, the, 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 the authentic, they are authentic enough to understand the, at granular level what the problems are and then be able to respond to them in terms of policy so that we can be able to implement here. But, I mean, as things stand, we're not likely to see coalitions go away anytime soon, yeah. as things stand. So so we still have to find a way to manage exactly the problems that you're discussing. And, and that you don't agree with the bartering system doesn't mean that others are not going to engage with it. So, so you would have to come up with with solutions to how you are going to govern with others should you be able to get into that space. You are absolutely correct, but what we need to then do is to safeguard the will of the people in that process. And I think legislatively we need to be able to do that. When a party has had the bulk of the of the vote in the coalition, it must go without saying that they would lead that coalition together with others in order for them to move forward. It's as simple and straightforward as that because they have a sufficient mandate. And I think our our legislative framework does not talk to the sufficient mm. mandate part. And yeah, that is what we need There's to no do. There's no regulation that, that exactly. regulates that. So people are going to bring in their the half a seat yeah. into leadership. That's what's <laughs> Exactly. And that's why it becomes problematic because basically what it also has breeded now is a situation where there is no a, an ethical approach into um, what needs to be done or into politics. I mean, anyone who believes that they can garner enough support to get a seat, they will go in there in the hope that um, they will then have people who are desperate enough to govern and then they'll be um, you know, leading one way or the other and there's no accountability. And I'm saying we cannot have a country that would be sold to the highest bidder in that manner. It really is a slippery slope and we really need to arrest that. And how we arrest that Mm-hmm. One is to make sure that communities are informed, especially parties that are new like ourselves. We have a unique opportunity to be in touch with communities and be able to go into groups of 30, 40 people and not really need, you know, the big entourages where you can't interact with people. And I think that's an opportunity that South Africans need to seize. And we as new parties need to ensure, obviously, that we play in that space so that South Africans are well informed. I think there is hunger there is a response, but I don't think enough is being done. For whatever reason, um, I still think that we are still obviously being plagued by the challenge of all of us wanting to lead from the front. And I think it's one of the areas that this election must be able to address. We must, as new parties and as so-called leaders or as leaders, be able to say, I can lead from the back and still be as effective as I should be, because it's not about being as an individual, it's about these communities. And if we can come together collectively as groups of leaders to be able to say amongst us person X let's allow you to lead and you will lead with us because we are going to give you all the support um, that you need to be able to make the right decisions and we are going to be here to obviously make sure that we talk to communities so that they understand what is happening there and there is a two way communication between the electorate and those who are elected and this is not what is happening it's only a one way street where every one of us believes now 
that in order to get the attention of politicians, you have to bend tires and blockade streets and affect everyone, then only then you get the attention. About was my guest, he's from the Transformation Alliance, and this is not about me only. Give us a call, 86 You can also tweet and uh, at Kaya on air, well, it's an X now, or you can send a WhatsApp <laughs> note on 63 Thanks for staying with us. 86 That's where you can dial in. We are speaking to Abel Dao. You may remember him from Action SA, but now he has a brand new political party that he's founded, at the Transformation Alliance. It's what it's called. So you may uh, have a question, maybe, maybe interested in what it is that they have to offer. Uh, you can also send a voice note on 063-688-0959. So... Let me quickly ask you, are you going to be joining the Moonshot Pact? Oh, they've got a new name, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, I, can, I, can, I can outright say I will not be joining the Moonshot Pact or whatever they, they are. You are there. How can you not know? How can you not know suddenly who they are? You are, you are front and center of, of this alliance, huh? No, I, I was. What I what I find strange with that yes. um, is the fact that you have a group of people who purport to be wanting to work together, but really don't want to work together. And for me, that is very problematic. And that um, how do you come together and say, we agree that we must remove the ANC. And amongst us, there's Big Brother DA or whoever who must lead this um, charge against these guys. Um, the multi-party charter. <laughs> we must stop joking around now. Yes. Yeah. And then... Um, then you then say, but it's okay. Let's all of us go out there and look for votes and we'll come back mm -hmm. with whatever we've got. I don't think it works. If there's anything that I've been advocating for and talking to people about was to say, if we're serious about this country, let's agree as parties, new parties, old parties and whatever, to say we are going to form an alliance in the real terms of an alliance. The ANC has a tripartite alliance. You don't see the SACP running around um, contesting elections, Sanko and everyone. They all understand they are campaigning for the ANC. So why can't we form an alliance where we agree to say if truly we align in terms of values with these ones and all four of us or whatever, then let's agree to merge and say you, Pimelo, will be our presidential candidate, your party will go on the ballot and all of us are going to campaign for that party. I believe that South Africans are actually looking for such leadership where we as leaders can demonstrate that it's not about us, it's about the electorate and all of us come to a space where we are saying if you vote person X, you would have voted for me and then we sit back and allow South Africans to actually have a real choice. All right. Dada Selby is calling us from Orange Farm. Dada Selby, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Pamelo and Abel. How are you? We good. good. How, How are you, Dada Selby? I'm blessed beyond measure. Excellent, excellent. Your question, Dada Selby. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Abel. Yes, sir. How are you, my brother? I'm wonderful. How are you, Dada Selby? I'm blessed beyond measure. Amen. You know, Abel, I, the way political organization are mushrooming in South Africa. Uh, I even remember one political uh, politician who once said uh, South Africa is like a watermelon. Yeah. Everyone wants a slice out of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I don't there's no organization that has yet convinced me yeah. that it wants to save this watermelon from those who want a slice out of it. 
are you all going to be able to convince me that your organization does not want a slice out of that watermelon, but it wants to save that watermelon? Hmm. Okay, go ahead, Ego. Thank you so much. Ndadeselbi, look, um, you are correct that you have not been convinced until now. And I'm convinced, or at the end of this conversation, you will be convinced that this is the party that you must go with. Um, I, I think that is the biggest challenge that most of South Africans are having. It's to say these politicians, all of them want a chance to go and chow. Now, if you look at our track record as an individual, um, you know, I've always flagged um, malfeasance wherever it resides it read its ugly head. But it's not really about me. Like I say, I am convinced that um, we need to come together as new parties, as old parties, and as all of us who are saying the same thing. If you look at what we believe are our values, and even our manifestos, all of us believe that jobs are a problem in this country. All of us will value family, will value, you know, altruism, will value all of these um, noble things that we all agree on. Then the question becomes, why can't we then work together to say collectively we want to work with person X and that's the person who goes to the ballot and all of us are going to say to Ndateselbi and everyone else then vote for person X because when you vote for person X I believe you would be voting for me as well because we have aligned and we have come together to put together all these values that we believe can work for South Africa collectively. And that's what I'm advocating for. I think that in the next few days and weeks to come, you will see that we are going to put our our mouths where our money mm. is as the Transformation Alliance. We either are going to be leading a grouping of new parties and older parties, or we will be part of that collective that allows others to lead. But one thing that I can assure you is that it can never be. The days of Abel Tau being the leader at all costs have come and gone. I think South Africa needs to be convinced that the people who want to lead them are people who are going to be humble and meek enough to say we are going to take the best amongst us and allow those to lead in the different strategic areas and we are going to win as a team because we can't all be strikers and score goals. We also need those who are going to defend at the back and make sure that we keep a clean sheet. Okay, let's just uh, go straight to the policies now, yes. your policies. Let's talk about your, let's start with your uh, your foreign policies. Look, when it comes to um, our foreign policy, um, in particular, look, um, we're dealing with a very uh, critical immigration issue that the ruling party doesn't have an answer to. Now, I'm not going to talk to, obviously, issues in the Middle East. Why not? And, 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 That's what people want to know. And, and <laughs> look, people the issue, here want to know everything about your views on all these things. Look, the, my, my view about what's happening in the Middle East is that um, there is a genocide happening um, in Gaza and um, Israel shouldn't be, doing, shouldn't be allowed to do what it's doing. I think um, the stance of the ICJ together with the many people who are calling um, for the liberation of Palestine, Palestine and Palestinians um, are correct. I think as South Africa we have taken a noble high ground and it needs to be commended. It's not an easy road that can be taken but we need to speak the truth where truth needs to be told. I mean the other day I looked at names of kids, zero years old, I mean six months, three months and all of those, who died in that. I mean there's over 5,000 
children, kids, babies, infants that died in the so-called war against Hamas and whatever it is. So we cannot beat about the bush when it comes to um, that issue. I think um, what is happening there, there needs to be a two-state solution um, in the according to the borders of 1967 or the resolution of 1967. And we need to make sure that that happens now. I mean, imagine if we are going to sit here in South Africa and you have um, the Koi people saying we want we want our Pretoria back, you guys came here and whatever. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous, the defense that a lot of people are bringing on the table. And I think um, the sooner we all agree that um, Palestinians need their own country they can call home um, and a two-state solution, I think also Israel is fooling themselves that they can fight themselves into peace. That can never happen anywhere in the world. Um, therefore, it becomes important that they understand that war breeds war. The sooner they go into the negotiating table and find a solution to the impasse that they have, then the better because we can all move on and we cannot be divided along these lines. But the same, um, you know, there's a number of um, issues. Our reliance on, 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 on Agoa and the risk that that, that poses um, and the trade we have with with America, I think America is and the West are an important partner to South Africa, but equally I think it has come to a point where Africa must exert her own influence in the affairs of, of, of the world and I think it has gone for far too long I think our leaders have actually failed and that's where you need brave young leaders like ourselves who will go out there and say Africa can no longer be a proxy for other people, where we go into these spaces, your, US, your United Nations um, security Council or wherever, and we speak for other people except our own people. Um, it has to stop, and it starts with us. And I think um, what you've seen happening in West Africa, a little bit of it, it's that kind of move. And I think Africa needs to rise from her slumber. So obviously, in terms of our foreign policy, we strongly believe in a very strong Africa, Africa that uh, pursues self-reliance, Africa that is ethical, that has leaders, and Africa that is not at war with herself. Um, honestly speaking. Speaking, it's about time. We've we've waited far too long for an Africa of that nature. I mean, right now, um, obviously, we are dealing with a very um, 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 troublesome issue of, of of immigration. And honestly, we are missing an opportunity as as, as Africa and as South Africa. We've got the third biggest um, um, population in, in in on the planet with over 1.4 billion people. Imagine if we harnessed our collective strength and were able to trade properly with more than a third of um, you know mineral reserves in this continent a lot can be done but unfortunately it's again the very same thing that Abel Tau will be the only one living in a class palace or in a palace somewhere and all these minerals um, would be would be shipped out of the country raw as they are and we come back and there's no place. so th- there's a lot of work that needs to be done but obviously it starts you know we need to start at a point and a point that we need to start at is recognizing that Africa at this stage still has borders. Whether we agree with those borders or not, they are there. And what we need to do is that within these groupings that we have made, SADC, um, you know, ECOWAS and all these groupings, um, we need to make sure that we align so that we have an Africa that is in total alignment. And once we have managed to align, then yes, absolutely, we need to aspire to an Africa where an African cannot be 
be a foreigner in another African country. But for now, we need to make sure that those who are plundering the wealth of Africa as leaders need to be isolated so that we really put Africans at the center of the agenda of development. And that needs to happen with our generation because unfortunately, the generations before us have got this brotherhood of the wounds that they carry from the colonial masters and the beatings that they had. So they have an affinity to want to protect one another. And therefore, we are not going to win, unfortunately. So, so what would your then foreign policy be with regards to Zimbabwe, for instance? Look, with Zimbabwe, we are very, we are very clear. We believe that um, what happens is in, in Zimbabwe is unfortunate. I don't think that the will of Zimbabweans um, is expressed in every election that we see, notwithstanding the sanctions that are um, unlawful. I think it's very unfortunate because the playing field is not cleared. Therefore, it's un- you're not in a position to be able to make a fair assessment because then you've got the stranglehold of unfair sanctions on the ZANU-PF government and therefore they cannot move because they have been sanctioned. Um, and therefore you, you, you don't know if really Zimbabweans actually see value in the leadership of ZANU-PF um, uh, of ZANU. And therefore it, it's difficult to judge. But one thing that we need to do we need to, as SADC especially as South Africa, play a much more critical role in making sure that Zimbabwe is normalized as quickly as possible. And there needs to be a conversation and a path to making sure that it, it's normalized, the sanctions are taken away, and let's see and be able to judge ZANU for what it is. Your position on the Ingonyama Trust? Yo, that's a tricky one. Um, look, the position on the Ingonyama Trust, you want Ungizwe to be on me tomorrow morning. <laughs> but... <laughs> I believe that, look, um, you, you cannot have one rule for a different group and another rule for a different group. I think um, the kind of um, way we treat um, the Zulu nation, who are very important, um, 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 you know, people in, in this country. But truth be told, I think um, there is a certain degree of um, favoritism that is being applied and, you know, um, they're treated differently from any other um, grouping, whether Kebapedi or whatever, from their royal houses to basically Basically, how they handle their affairs internally. I mean, they are a country within a country, and it's a dangerous thing to have. So, where I stand with the Ingonyama Trust, I think for now, it's a space that we really um, do not have a solution for. In the interest of nation building, I think like any other politicians who would be here or anywhere else would say, let's pack the issue for now. We can do without really muddying the waters on on issues such as the Ingonyama Trust as it is. and um, deal with the matters that we have. We have enough arable land to be able to distribute in the meantime. <laughs> I'll take your calls. I'm very happy to also look at your voice notes on 063-688-0959. Abel Tawu is my guest and he's the leader of the Transformation Alliance. Point of View. Monday to Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. Thank you very much for staying with us. Uh, leading to the election 2024, we are speaking to various political parties every single Monday and we'll get through as many as possible. I don't think we'll get through to all of them, but we are at least going to introduce you to some you may not be familiar with. But today you are familiar with the candidate, maybe not the party yet, but you are starting to get a sense of who they are. It's the Transformation Alliance and it is led by Abultao, who is in studio with us. All right, let's talk about some of the major problems that we have in the country. 
country like ESCOM, um, which is a big issue at the moment, a big talking point. Your idea of what what kind of energy we need to be supplying um, and what solutions you would have for the kind of problems that we are facing uh, with our energy? Look, um, the the energy crisis, I think, in all intents and purposes, is man-made. And we can have a whole discussion on how, how that is. Whether we go from um, the idea that uh, maintenance has not been done to a point where we are talking about the master plan that spoke to the expansion of, um, you know, our generating capa- generation capacity. Um, obviously, someone has been sleeping on the job, but um, it is really an unfortunate situation. Where I'm at at this stage, I think that this fleet that we have of power stations need to be properly maintained. I think Bomat's um, Heller tried shame at some point, and uh, they showed, if there's one thing that they showed, is that it can actually be done. You can actually have maintenance. By the way, I'm a qualified diesel electrical fitter. I'm an artisan by trade. Um, and I believe that um, if you look at what was the backbone of the yesteryears, was the emphasis made or put on maintenance. And it's not magic, honestly. Um, and therefore, I think that a lot needs to be done. We still need to fire um, our, our coal-fired power stations. I don't think it's going backwards. I think the rest of the world um, was built especially industry at the back of coal. In fact, um, the apartheid government made the gains it did um, at the back of firing coal and making sure that it drove an economy that advanced um, its people. We are a developing nation. I think um, the carbon credits and everything, we can gradually work um, to towards that point. And I'm, I'm, I'm not oblivious to um, the, the climate change and the climate action that needs to be taken. But I do think that a lot of burden is put on a developing countries in Africa um, and I think that's where we need to stand our ground and again it goes back to that thing where I'm saying I feel that our leaders are not speaking for Africa, they speak for their um, you know, their advancement as individuals and that's where Africa needs to also establish her own influence in global matters and at this stage we cannot afford, I mean I think we have more than 40% of coal reserves in this country and you want to tell us that we must now go nuclear and all of these things when we've got a technology that has been tried and trusted over years that if perfected and working optimally we should be able to use this technology without a lot of glitches and of course we need to then transition we've got enough sun um, in this country therefore we need to make sure that we go and diversify and go into the solar space but um, equally we need to um, make sure that we go into 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 the nuclear space um, where we can because why not those are greener sources of, of energy that we need to but also there is a huge potential for hydro in this country that is not being harnessed at all again a government that's sleeping on the job that's where the problem is. When you've got individuals who don't have the interest, number one, to learn what needs to be done, or individuals who are absolutely, you know, clueless about what needs to be done. I mean, one thing that I've picked up about politicians in this country is that there is a belief that to be a politician, you must just know how to talk too much, and all you need to do is to stand on a podium and talk, and people vote for you, and you'll go there and employ um, you know, professionals, they call them technocrats, to do their job. And that's not necessarily what needs to happen. We need technically sound politicians 
politicians that understand what it means to get things going. Um, you know, and then when they have a, a, a substantial amount of the technical know-how, they are able to see when people are not doing what they are supposed to do, and they can actually remedy those those situations. And that's what we are having. So I do still believe that ESCOM can be remedied, it can be fixed, um, if we get the right people in the right spaces, and we take out greed, because more than anything, this country is lawless. The day we become firm in ensuring that there's law and order in this country, I mean, everyone will tell you that cartels that are operating in ESCOM, um, you know, are so entrenched that there's nothing you can do about it. And therefore, this is not a problem that this country should be having. The problem is the criminality in there. And when you have individuals who get to be elected in positions of power and cannot demonstrate ethical leadership and cleanness that, you know, you can be able to say, I am clean. Look at me. Look at my lifestyle and look at what I've amassed. It is honestly amassed purely in a manner that is clean and you are able to then not be drawn into spaces where you cannot do anything but participate in what is happening. And that's where the problem is. And that's where South Africans need to go. They need to vote for people that are going to be able to say no to wrong things. You are, you stand for family values? Yes. What do you mean by family is at the center of what you stand for? Look, I think more than anything as a country, um, you know, there is a very serious attack on the nucleus of um, society, which is the family. Um, the Bella Bill is one such example where, you know, government takes away some of the responsibilities that should be shouldered by parents and families at home, you know, decisions that should be made um, by, 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 by families and by at home. And by so doing, I mean, um, not so long ago, I had the premier of this uh, uh, province saying there's a very nice partnership with a beer brand that they will be bringing more beer to, 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 to our doorsteps and all of those things. And we are saying as, as, as the Transformation Alliance that we need to go back to basics. And basics are let's encourage that the family is the nucleus um, of, of society. You know, um, make sure that we create an environment, number one, obviously, notwithstanding the fact that you're dealing with um, a job crisis in this country that um, is making sure that um, there is, you know, families are under severe pressure, if not under attack. Men and women every day um, you know, cannot stay together. Kids are raised by single parents and there's all these challenges and therefore we need to obviously address that part but we need to as a country and by family we don't necessarily mean mom and dad, um, a boy and a girl uh, with two dogs, not mm. necessarily. Mm -hmm. Whichever way that individuals conceptualize whether it's a man and a man, a woman and a woman, um, an Abelta with his three wives and Musam mm. and, Selek and, and, uh, with his four or one-on-one, -on -one, um, but what we are saying is that there needs to be an environment that allows for people to coexist and be strengthened in that unit called a family from which then every other part they will venture out into society and be able to live with other people and build cohesively and patriotically for this country. And that's what we believe by family values. All right. Let's talk about, you spoke about corruption difficult one how yeah. and you said law and order doesn't exist in this country mm -hmm. how how would you deal with that look um Pimelo, i've always been saying 2020 taught us very big lessons that we never wanted to learn
Um, we had special courts, right? When you have a crisis anywhere in the world, you then focus on the crisis area and you, you pay special attention to that. Now, what corruption is a very big problem in this country. By now, we should be having specialized courts that deal specifically with corruption. If we need to train judges and people and whatever, how we collect evidence and all of those things, that's what we need to do. Invest into making sure that we combat corruption. Number one, we need to demonstrate that we can jail corrupt politicians and individuals. I mean, right now, there's individuals whose names have been flying all over. They're still roaming the streets and therefore South Africans have lost faith in our ability to put them away. And I tell you now, if we can do that, it will build a lot of um, confidence in that. So let's build specialized courts. Let's um, capacitate those companies that, um, you know, um, allow themselves to be solicited into the space where they become corrupt and not just companies, individuals, so that it is taken right down to the core of the problem where the problem is. And then let's deal, obviously, with, um, you know, the separation of powers where we are able to have a capable state that is not um, 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 beholden to politicians. Unfortunately, um, the cadre deployment um, um, pandemic that we've had over the past 30 years has led us to a space where people understand that if I get to be fired by Minister X, I'll be blacklisted everywhere and I can no longer have a, a, a life or I can no longer, um, you know, make a living. Therefore, um, it breeds this environment where officials and technocrats, um, highly educated individuals are put under pressure and they have no choice but to participate. And therefore, we need to create that separation that allows for individuals to say as a DG, I'm sorry, Minister, I cannot do that. It's illegal. So we've spoken about the formation of what's likely to come. Lots of new parties. You yourself are referring to yourself as a small party. You are likely to, if you succeed in a number of votes, to go into coalitions. Mm -hmm. Who would you like to partner with? Look, at this stage, um, I do think that um, there's obviously the multi-charter whatever that mm -hmm. is working there. Um, and there's obviously the ruling party that believes that they can still garner enough vote to go at it alone. Um, we are obviously having conversations ourselves um, with with potential um, um, alliance partners that we believe we can exactly come out to say um, as a grouping, this is who we go with and we are going to all um, put our weight behind um, and a, a singular party and then we can run with that um, collectively. But if that doesn't happen and we go at it alone because um, the conversations are at an advanced stage and we should be able to announce to South Africa an innovation that should be exciting to them um, if we agree, all of us. But over and above that, should we be put in a space where we have to um, decide who we go with? I think at this stage, we absolutely can um, say with absolute certainty that um, nationally, the problem has been the ANC. I don't see me working with the ANC at national level. Um, but in Gauteng, for instance, I don't see, I can, I can see myself working with the ANC 
policy. And for obvious reasons, I don't think that um, the parties that are here in Gauteng, um, you know, are capable. And I don't think that the guys who are currently running the show have done a particularly bad job um, in, in Gauteng in particular. And therefore, it will be, um, we also believe in the value of being pragmatic. And therefore, pragmatism requires of us to be saying we can be able to, in Limpopo, work with the DA and in Gauteng work with the ANC without feeling that we are contradicting ourselves. This economy is struggling. People don't have jobs. What's your solution to that? Look, jobs shouldn't be a problem. Number one, um, we must protect um, entry-level jobs at all costs. Um, That is your hospitality. I don't see a reason why um, a chef at um, whatever restaurant should be from a foreign country. It cannot be. I think um, we can have our young people be able to do these jobs. In fact, they will also make it very stylish. South Africans know how to make things look good. I don't think um, the guys who are doing 60-60 should be from outside of this country. Um, Construction, a very important sector in this country that employs people from outside of this country unfortunately mining um we still um you know being 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 run um according to um basically that that that, that all day le- legislation where in mining you really can push in a lot of young people in there so um definitely entry level jobs we need to protect those industries i don't see why Pimelo, um, my wife should be plated, hair should be plated by a Ghanaian. I'm sorry. I think um, that is something that can be done by a South African, proudly so, that can put food on the table and take us forward as South Africans. So once we have done that, um, number two, let us go into labor-intensive industries and make sure that we train people and put them into those. Let's make sure that we go back into the basics of understanding that your what we used to call manpower, um, your TVET colleges produce the kind of skills that we need in industry for us to be able to re-industrialize as a country. That's what we need to do as a matter of agency. Those are skills that can be generated at a reasonably short period of time and those are skills that can be put into practice. Factories are closing every day because you don't have a fitter antenna, because you don't have a sheet metal worker, because you don't have a quality uh, millwright and all of these things that we don't have. That is why um, you know, Solidarity decided to do Soltech University and they do it in Africa and they are producing as many um, artisans as they possibly can because they understand that those young Africaners are going to leave that place with a job tomorrow morning because when you need to re-industrialize, first thing you need the technical skills even before the first product runs on the, on the, on the conveyor belt. Alright, so obviously uh, you're a new party how do people identify the colors on your on your, on your on your logo? Just describe it for those people who are not watching you. I'm looking at you so I can see them. And why? Why particularly those colors that you've chosen? Look, we we have a very nice um, rainbow that crosses across um, with the letters TTA for the Transformation Alliance. Um, I think more than anything, it's a blue, orange, and yellow. Um, I think our colors are inspired by the idea that um, there was a dream of a rainbow nation that um, has been, um, you know, set aside or, um, you know, put in abeyance somewhere. And I do still believe that that dream um, should not die. I think um, from time to time um, we rekindle that dream and we are reminded of what we can be as a nation. And the Transformation Alliance should be that force that takes us to that 
space where we are able to achieve those things. Hence, we are saying, um, let's get back to basics. Let's do just the basics right. So, realistically, what's your goal? What do you want to achieve this election? Look, realistically, in this election, um, depending on what we announce in the next um, few days and weeks, um, um, we want to contest Gauteng. Um, we are going to be contesting definitely Gauteng, Limpopo, and Bumalanga. That we have guaranteed ourselves. We are still finalizing with Northwest and the Western Cape. But um, for sure, people in Gauteng will definitely have an opportunity to vote for us. People in Limpopo and uh, people in Bumalanga. Um, national we are hoping to do um, you know well um, we, we definitely know that we should do five, six seats somewhere there about five, eight. six seats yes and I'll tell five, you why six seats. let me tell you something Pimelo you see one of the things that you don't want to come out here and do mm-hmm. is to really sell a lie that you cannot achieve mm-hmm. um, as an individual and the reason we want to build ourselves up is to say we are going to build up from this space where we are realistic with the kind of resources that we have realistically and we are going to make sure that with that voice we are able to lend the kind of challenges that are in the communities that we organize in because we are not trying to push ourselves further and dilute the kind of message that we want to bring into that august house when we get to parliament and then we are building up to the metros and then in 2026 and then in 2029 we will be bold we would have learned the lessons we need to learn but I want us to contextualize five, yeah. six seats. Yes. That's per seat is how many? How Forty-five thousand, given taken an eighteen million voter this turnout. Is, this is what I'm going. This yeah. is exactly the point. Yeah. You've got what? Give or take two, three months. Yes, about four months. About four months. Yes. And you believe you can get five to six seats? Absolutely. We have spoken to a lot of people. By the time we get to the elections, believe it or not, in terms of what we are doing on the ground, um, um, face-to-face contact and hand-to-hand contact with people and our structures on the ground who are on the ground every day going forward, we would have spoken in person to not less than one and a half million South Africans in the four provinces. And we are absolutely confident that of that one and a half million South Africans, that we have, would have extensively spoken to, we can turn up at least a third of that. Therefore, we believe that that should work out to the area that we want to go to. Um, whether or not we achieve that, they say shoot for the stars and uh, <laughs> or shoot for the moon and whatever, and you land amongst the whatevers. But we are serious. We believe that we have a message that um, South Africans should listen to and they should give us a chance. All right. Transformation Alliance leader, Abel Dao, thank you so much for coming through. I've got a quick message here for you from Mo, who says Dao is a good leader and he will do good. So that's that's a parting shot from us. That's somebody who's just sent a voice note, um, a WhatsApp. Uh, so that's, I suppose, you can take that with you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to Kaya listeners. I hope that um, we've inspired them to obviously vote TTA. Come the 22nd of May. <laughs> said it. Oh, you said, you've just announced that? Thanks very much for coming through. That brings us to the end of the show. We'll be back tomorrow at 8. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.